Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Independence has never been easy. Nearly 250 years ago, it was something worth fighting for. The idea of a people who stood on equal footing, free to speak, free to wander, free to live. These were ideals worth risking everything for. Today, we find ourselves fighting old battles, not with past foes, but with ourselves. We are a nation divided, divided by skin, divided by opinion, divided by hate. It seems the very freedoms we once fought for have become stumbling blocks. Are we too busy seeking ourselves to even recognize the tragedy which surrounds us? Do we no longer see the profound need for the hand of God? In this moment, the truth of scripture rings especially true. If we, the people, will humbly pray, turn from wickedness and seek his face, then he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he will heal this land. Today, may we remember this one simple truth. True independence is found only in our dependence on God. Good morning, brethren, and from all of us at Grace Family Church of Rhode Island, we wish you a happy and safe 4th of July tomorrow. Brethren, we all have burdens to carry. Some of those burdens can be overwhelming. And in those cases, we really need the church. But the church is not a social agency is a fellowship. The church is not there just to give a hand out. The church is there to build relationships. In a fellowship, each member has a responsibility toward the others, and not just to him or herself. Let me, let me give an illustration or an example. Um, for a number of months now, you have seen me here in these videos with this array in my head. There are bandages actually holding array, electrical array on my, on my head. And a number of you, many of you probably already know why, but some of you may be wondering why I have all this stuff on my head. This, this array are electrical, they are connected by a wire in, in the back to a machine that sends electrical impulses to the brain. 
And the reason for that is because I have brain cancer. In December, I had a surgery, a brain surgery, and God was absolutely awesome and, and wonderful in sparing me some of the potential consequences of a brain sur surgery, which is very delicate. Um, but I have been, since then, I have been on radiation and chemotherapy. And brethren, it is it's not an easy path. It is not easy to go through months of chemotherapy. It's not easy to go through months of radiation. And you know, there are moments in which it is discouraging. There are moments in which it's very hard. It's very hard to take a next step. It would be tempting to just lay back and say, I can't, I cannot do that. And I need others to help me out. Now, it is true. Especially in those moments, I need the church. And that is one of the greatest blessings that God has provided my wife and I. So many people, members of God's church, so many people around us being encouraging, supporting, helpful in so many different ways. But if the story were to stop there, it would be wrong. It would be wrong because by the grace of God, God has still given me the ability to be, to be able to contribute some things. And so it's not just I needing the church, but it's the church that still needs me as well. And that's, that's part of what God has in mind in situations like this. And that's what God had in mind when he inspired Paul to write the sixth chapter of the letter to the Galatians, which we're going to look at it today. Let's see how this fellowship and this caring or sharing with each other's burdens actually is supposed to work. Let's read it again. Um, Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one look into yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reasons for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
Brethren, what does that living by the Spirit looks like? Well, we started looking at it in previously in chapter 5. Paul continues here in chapter 6. We know already that it's not a matter of pride and definitely not envy because those are the works of the flesh and not the fruit of the Spirit. But here Paul continues and he reminds us that walking or living by the Spirit means helping one another, sharing our burdens, having a realistic view of ourselves, valuing and respecting our teachers, those who share with us the preciousness of God's Word, seeking the reward of the Spirit instead of the reward of the flesh, and doing good to all, to everyone, but especially doing good to our brothers and sisters, the members of the body of Christ, the members of the church. Let's look in detail what Paul has to say about that. Verse 1, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one look into yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Well, first of all, we find here the instruction that if anyone, any of our brothers or sisters in Christ is caught in any trespass, in any sin, in any problem, those who are spiritual, those who are more mature in the faith, they are to restore that individual in a spirit of gentleness. So there are two factors here that are very important. First, the purpose of any intervention is to restore the individual. All too often within the church we see the opposite. You don't do the things that we want you to do, so out you go. We don't want to have anything to do with you. But here it is not what God inspired the Apostle Paul to share with us. Our purpose is to restore the individual who is caught in a sin. But we are to do that, not as in a spirit of gentleness, not harshly, not a, in a condemning way, not as if we were the, the most perfect people on the face of the earth and looked down on someone because he or she has a, a problem or still struggling with a sin. After all, we all share in that, don't we? We all struggle with one thing or another. So God instructs us to be kind, be gentle with one another as we address the problem. So it's not, gentleness here does not mean overlooking a problem. It means to address it, but in a way that is building up, in a way that is constructive. But also with a warning, each one looking to yourself, that you too may not be tempted. That would be like a blind leading a blind, as Scripture tells us. So we are to be careful that as we help someone who is caught in a sin, that that sin does not become a temptation for us as well. And brethren, I've seen that all too many times. People who are just emerging from a, a, a major problem or a major sin, that try to help others with the same sin, and they end up falling right back. That is not 
what God wants us to do. That is not wise. We need to be careful. And the church can be um, called to step in, especially if we run the risk of being tempted ourselves. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We are to carry each other's burdens. Scripture is very clear about that. My brother's burden is not just my brother's. It's my burden as well. And I am called to help carry that. But then again, the church is not a social service. The church is a fellowship. So carrying that burden does not mean re removing all the problems or removing all the hindrances that that person may be experiencing because that may not be possible. But it, it means to be there with them to help them through that, as even the Apostle Paul writes elsewhere. Bear one another's burdens. We are to share on each other's burdens because that fulfills the law of Christ. Now, what law is Paul talking about? And there are a couple of, passages, uh, of scriptures in, in John chapter 15 and chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse 34 makes it very clear. When Jesus told the disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So that, there you have it. We are to love one another the way Christ loved us. Now Jesus Christ, I don't need to tell you, Jesus Christ loved us in a way that is quite sacrificial, isn't it? He gave himself for us. And so we are to be willing to sacrifice ourselves for one another. And most times the sacrifice that we need to to make is not all that great. A little bit of time, a little bit of compassion, it goes a long way as we carry one another's burdens, as we share in each other's burdens. Verse 3, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Notice that Paul here is inspired by God to remind us that we not think of ourselves, we're not to think of ourselves as, as higher than anyone else, or greater or better than anyone else. You know, th th this is a matter of pride. Sometimes when we express the love of God, the love that God pours in our hearts, and we express it to someone else, that person can be very thankful, very grateful to us. And we have to be careful that the root of pride doesn't settle in our hearts. We have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to become proud of something that God has done and maybe has done it through us. So Paul here says, if anyone thinks that he is something when he's really nothing, this goes in the face of all that we hear about self-esteem. The concept of self-esteem, say, I am important, I am great, I am the best, or whatever the case may be. You know, brethren, this is what God teaches us. I am nothing, but Christ in me is everything. I'm going to repeat it. 
I am nothing, but Christ in me is everything. All, all I am, when everything is, a, is said and done, is just a handful of dust. But you take that dust and you put it in God's hands, and God can do amazing things with it. And it's the same for you, but it is God doing that. So there is no point for us to think of ourselves as being something great or when in reality we're really nothing. Because God, Christ, is all in all. So let us not deceive ourselves. Verse 4. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reasons for boasting in regards to himself alone and not in regards to another, for each one will, hear, will bear his own load. So brethren, here again is a matter of pride that is being addressed. We are to examine our work. We are to look at what we do, what, what the Lord is, is doing in and through us, and we're going to make sure, we have to make sure that we are faithful to God in participating in what He does in our life. But, but then, being His work in us, what reason do we have of boasting? If anything, Paul here says, only regard to himself alone. The way I understand that to mean is, if the Lord is doing something through me, I may be pleased that the Lord has accomplished that. And I may be pleased, very, in fact, in rejoicing in the fact that perhaps maybe I was able to overcome a problem or an issue that I have in my life. But not in regard to another. Because every one of us has to carry our own load. Every one of us has to carry our own challenges. And we cannot compare those with, with each other. No comparisons are to be made with one another. Verse 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now much discussion has gone around this verse 6. Um, it has often been interpreted from a financial perspective, meaning those who are taught, meaning the congregation, um, is to share all the material possessions with the one who teaches, meaning the pastor. But while Paul elsewhere does teach that those who serve in a pastoral duty need to be supported by the church, here I think that's not the point. The point that Paul here is making is in sharing sharing the burden and helping one another to not only not be tempted, but to emerge from a, a problem or a sin or trespass. Now, it just finished saying that we, each one of us has our own load to carry. And the, the one thing that really makes a difference in the way we read verse 6 is that word that Paul used in the Greek, as he wrote it in Greek, for that is translated with share. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. That sharing word 
is in the Greek is koinoneo, which is the term that is related to koinonia, which means the fellowship, the communion that we have with one another as Christians. So right here, it's talking about that communion. And as we help one another and don't compare one another, then we are to share with each other. And I don't think it really means only sharing the material things, but I, I think it means sharing that communion, sharing that oneness. In other words, if you catch me in a trespass, if you catch me in a mistake, and you approach me, and in kindness, in gentleness, as is said, said before, you correct me, and you teach me that that's not the way that God has called me to be, but something else. As you are teaching me that, then I need to give you fellowship, communion, connection. Because the teacher is not supposed to just teach by rebuking an individual and leaving them alone. There is a relationship going here, going on. The, it, the, the relationship within the body of Christ is a relationship of fellowship, of oneness that we share with Christ. And we can't forget it. We can't just say, oh, well, I, I listened to a message and I got everything I needed. Not only that is selfish, but that does not fulfill the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is that communion, that koinonia, that fellowship that we share with one another, whereby we can come up to the point of saying, look, let me help you with this. Let me join you and help you with that. And then the person who's being helped enters into that fellowship, enters into that communion, and in sharing in that oneness, in that communion, the one who learns, learns even more because he sees it modeled, he sees it practiced, he sees that in real life, because that is real life. Verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. As you can see, it connects with verse 6 much better when we understand verse 6 to be broader in meaning. We are not to be deceived. What would be the deception that he's talking about here? Well, the deception of hypocrisy. The deception of hypocrisy that would move us to pretend to be okay, to pretend to be good Christians when we really are not. And we are reminded here, God is not mocked. Look, you can fool me, you can deceive me, but you cannot, you cannot deceive God. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also he will reap. So is, if in that communion, in that sharing of all things, the sharing of who we are and, and who we are in Christ and what God is doing in and, and with us and through us, if, if I really need to be truthful, then I need to acknowledge and realize that, look, if I'm sowing negative things, I will reap negative things. 
If I sow positive things, I will reap positive things. We can't pretend. We have to be true and we have to be genuine and we have to show one another to each other as being true and genuine all the way through. Verse 8 said, For the one who sows to his own flesh reaps corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit reaps eternal life. That sowing is investment. If we invest, because of that hypocrisy we were talking about before, if we invest in our carnality, if all that we're concerned about is just putting a good face and, and going the way of the world, then we're going to reap destruction. We're going to reap corruption. But if we sow, in other words, if we practice, if we share with one another what the Holy Spirit gives us, which was defined earlier in chapter 5 as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so on then we're going to be reaping eternal life. We're going to be sharing in that gift that God has given us, that gift of eternal life. Verse 9, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. You know, brethren, when, especially when things are difficult, especially when we have burdens on us. Sometimes doing good or helping someone else can become pretty difficult, pretty hard. But God here reminds us to not lose heart. Brethren, there's probably very little, if anything, that is more disheartening as working with an individual for a long period of time helping an individual understand God's way, helping that person understand God's promises, and then see them turn around and embrace the world. It is painful to see that. It is hard. And sometimes it may cause us to lose heart, to not want to bother. But God tells us, don't, don't. Because you may not see the fruit now, but in due time, there will be fruit. God's word is never wasted. God's word never goes out and returns empty-handed. God's word always goes out and fulfills, accomplishes what it was sent to do. Brethren, let us not lose heart. Let us not be discouraged. We may have hindrances. We may have difficulties. There are things that I wish I could still do that I used to do a year ago, but I can't and I need to adapt. But that does not mean that I should be discouraged and stop. You wouldn't want me to do that. It's not a pretty sight to see a, a pity party like that. But for as long as the Lord gives me the strength to, to serve Him, you would want to see me Serving Him, knowing that the word, the reward 
It's not for the here and now. The reward is in Christ. The reward will be manifest and shown in due time, as Paul writes in here. So then, what's the point that Paul is making? So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. We are to do good to everyone as we have the opportunity. But notice that Paul was inspired by God to say, while we have opportunity, while we still have a chance. Brethren, there is a time for those things. There is a time when God gives us an opportunity to step in and serve and help and do good to others. But also, there is a time in which that opportunity is going to be gone. It won't be there forever. I know it, you know it from personal experience, that sometimes we have seen opportunities, we, we delayed our response, and then poof, the opportunity was gone. We don't find it again. God reminds us, while we have the opportunity, to do good to everyone, indiscriminately, but in a special way to the household of faith. In a special way, we are called to serve one another in the body of Christ. To love one another as even the Lord Jesus Christ has loved us. That's what we're called to do. And that's what God is in the business of doing in the church, of working in the church. Brethren, opportunities arise, but they also close. So while we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. That's the calling. A mutual giving. A mutual building. A mutual support. In which you share the very best that you have to share within the body of Christ. We share the very best that we have to share. And we can provide in Christ as Christ leads us in that, the very best of the best, in that mutual support, and all, all of that, for the glory of God. So brethren, let us walk, by not just talk the talk, but let us walk the walk, let us do it, let us walk by the Spirit, and that's what that means, to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of ourselves to serve one another, to help one another, to build one another, and when necessary, even to correct each other for the good of the person that needs to be corrected. God bless you. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, 
and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. loving your enemies no matter what they do. Keep doing good to those who hate you. Keep speaking blessings on those who curse you. Keep praying for those who mistreat you. 
If someone strikes you on one cheek, offer the other cheek too. If someone steals your coat, offer him your shirt too. If someone begs from you, give to him. If someone robs you of your valuables, don't demand them back. Think of the kindness you wish others would show to you. Do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get the same amount back. If you want to be extraordinary, love your enemies. Do good without restraint. Lend with abandon. Don't expect anything in return. Then you'll receive the truly great reward. You will be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and those who are wicked. So imitate God and be truly compassionate the way your Father is.